Hi, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast with a bonus episode. I'm Mary Davis. I'm a radio and TV host, political enthusiast, and dog lover. And I am Jen Jordan, and uh, and I'm just here today. I'm here. This is great. Well, we have a very special guest. I'm just going to say it out of the gate. Andrew Yang will be joining us. I later. know we are now part of the Yang game. We've been teasing it now for a couple weeks. Been working very hard on it. Thank goodness for Senator Jen Jordan because it opens doors for me. <laughs> every pitch I send, every article that is so ridiculous. Uh, but, but but it does help to have uh, the state senator in the district that he's actually renting a house in for the time he's in Georgia. He's here for the month to help with the runoff election. So we're going to talk to him in just a little bit. It's pretty cool because he's like actually knocking on doors, actually canvassing. It's it's incredible. I mean, he's getting his hands dirty. And he is going to be in Columbus, Georgia this weekend. So we're going to hear more about that in just a bit. First, we have to talk about Governor Kemp right out of the gate and the Senate runoffs and the president tweeting that, well, uh, he, he's uh, the president is, well, just you can hear what he said. Which everything has to be approved by the legislature. And they had judges making deals and they had uh, electoral officials making deals like this character in Georgia, who's a disaster. And the governor's done nothing. He's done absolutely nothing. I'm ashamed that I endorsed him. But you, I look at what's going on. It's so terrible. Ouch. <sighs> Yeah, that's the that's like everybody's like worried about a tweet. That was like a tweet on steroids. I, I that was bad, and it made a lot of national news. And it, it, look, Brian Kemp really went to bat for Kelly Leffler. We haven't heard any defense from her, which is odd. Yeah, I think it's super super weird. I mean, he was the one that appointed her in the first place, and he she basically owes her political life to him and you know she's it's just been like crickets and so that and it and just the the attacks just kept on going throughout the week calling him hapless a hapless governor how he has to change the signature procedure i mean this is some really really crazy stuff that's been happening well the thing is all of it is based on somebody who has absolutely no clue what the law is, or what the process is in the state. And that's, I mean, that's just it. It's incredibly irresponsible for the president of the United States to be saying what he's saying. Well, we've been seeing this with the governor of Arizona, Doug Ducey. That's right. And I don't know if you saw this, and if you listen closely, he's signing. There's a video of him signing, certifying the election in Arizona, and then the phone rings, and I guess hail to the chief is his ringtone when the president calls, and he just kind of hit the FU button on it. Ignore. (laughs) Yes. So that was odd. And, you know, look, people are getting threats. We talked about last time the Raffensperger family getting threats. And then if you saw 60 Minutes, Chris Krebs, who was uh, pretty much uh, the head of CISA, uh, and he has said there was no election. Uh, It it, it, it was like a perfectly safe and, and fair election. I mean, it's about as good as it's ever been, to be quite frank. But take a listen to, to what he's had to endure from 60 Minutes. It's, in my view, a travesty what's happening right now with all these death threats 
to election officials, to secretaries of state. I want, I want everybody to look at Secretary Bokfar in Pennsylvania, Secretary Benson in Michigan, Secretary Sagaski in Nevada, Secretary Hobbs in Arizona. All strong women that are standing up, that are under attack from all sides, and they're defending democracy. They're doing their jobs. Look at, look at Secretary Raffensperger in Georgia, lifelong Republican. He put country before party and is holding a free and fair election in that state. There's some real heroes out there. There's some real patriots. So the crazy thing about him is that there's actually a Georgia connection. Now, I investigated this because I'm not going to lie. I thought he was cute. Well, I thought it was because you were an investigative <laughs> podcaster. Well, that too. And apparently he's Marist class of 1995. Yeah, and that's po- crazy. And was a pole vaulter. So there you go. So... I mean, he really did a beautiful job speaking on 60 Minutes about what it's been like to have to feel the wrath of this misinformation from the president. Well, not only that, but then the president's lawyer comes out and, and makes some kind of comment about how some somebody should shoot him. I mean, look, this is just, this isn't okay. It's not okay. And I don't understand why they're really holding the hat on Georgia because it's, I mean, it's it's over. It it, it wouldn't matter if if he won Georgia. It's it's over. Yeah, but they're doing it everywhere. They're doing it in Pennsylvania. They're doing it in, I mean, they're, they're pushing the buttons all over the place because they seem to think that there's a path and there just isn't unless you actually get people to overturn the votes of the people of this country. I mean, you even had Gabriel Sterling, works at the Secretary of State's office, uh, having some really, really choice words. Joe DeGeneva today asked for Chris Krebs, a patriot who ran CISA, to be shot. A 20-something tech in Gwinnett County today has death threats and a noose put out saying he should be hung for treason because he was transferring a report on batches from an EMS to a county computer so he could read it. It has to stop. Mr. President, you have not condemned these actions or this language. Senators, you have not condemned this language or these actions. This has to stop. We need you to step up, and if you're going to take a position of leadership, show some. I mean, this is pretty intense words. And now you have the president coming to town on Saturday. So at the time we're recording, you know, we don't know how that's going to go down. We don't know who's going to be on stage. Uh, Obviously, David Perdue is going to be there. And his ad campaign has been super weird. I I meant to bring up, Jen, this whole like tweeting out the photo of him eating at Waffle House and kind of like saying not a nice thing. Like, oh, you, I'm going to eat Waffle House, John Ossoff, because you're eating a veggie burger. Yeah, but then the dude had a big glass of milk. Come on. (laughs) Really? It was so bizarre because, you know, I think people targeted him right away. Like, to the social media manager, like, the slutty vegan is a great uh, black-owned small business. Small business. And... It it just and listen, I love Waffle House. Give give me all the Waffle House all day long, and it, it's funny because it kind of puts Waffle House in an uncomfortable position. Well, I think Waffle, well, at least the 
the founder of Waffle House is a pretty big supporter of Purdue. But it was still odd. And 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 I guess, I don't know, is that the buzz they're looking for to get people riled up over that? I just think it's one of those things is people not actually thinking about the broader messaging that they're putting out there. Maybe they thought it was funny. Maybe they thought it was cute. But the problem is you're talking about a small business owner versus a huge kind of corporate chain. And it just didn't make any sense. It, it was, it was, and, and both Leffler and Purdue uh, have not come to the defense of the governor. I, I mean, what's the company, what's the Christmas party going to be like? Or the, I don't think there's going to be one. I don't think they're getting invited to the governor's mansion this year. What do you think? I, this is like the craziest, most uncomfortable family tension in the GOP. But the question to you is, is, is our, our senator and our voice of reason, what does this mean for the runoff? You know, they've got to be careful because, you know, if they're split apart and if Trump at all keep talking about that nobody's vote counts and that it's just going to be stolen anyway, I mean, any rational person who believed that, which... That doesn't follow because I don't think you'd really be rational then. But, you know, if you think your vote is going to be stolen or it's not going to count, why would you ever go vote in the first place? It's it's truly is bizarre and even more bizarre, which you pointed out, were uh, Senator Perdue's latest ad campaign. I'm David Perdue, and I approve this message. John Ossoff believes if you repeat a lie enough, people might believe it. But Ossoff's stock trade attacks on David Perdue are totally false. David Perdue wasn't even at that Senate briefing. Perdue was cleared by the Bipartisan Senate Ethics Committee, the SEC, and DOJ. Perdue was totally exonerated. John Ossoff, you just can't believe him. Yeah, when the when the whole kind of subtext of your messaging is, well, I haven't been indicted yet. I mean, where does that get you? I mean, talk about, I mean, he's the sitting United States senator for the state of Georgia, and the best he has is exonerated? Come on. Well, Kelly Loeffler has the same kind of ad. The fake news witch hunt over. False attacks against Kelly Loeffler exposed. Investigation now officially closed. Today's clear exoneration affirms what Senator Loeffler has said all along. The liberal media lied about Kelly Loeffler because she's a strong conservative woman. But Loeffler refused to back down. She fought back and won. She's been exonerated. She did nothing wrong. She did nothing wrong. Kelly Loeffler delivering for Georgia. I'm Kelly Loeffler. I approve this message. They both have ads saying, hey, people said I did something shady, but I didn't. Or I did it, but it really wasn't illegal. (laughs) Ergo, I'm great. You're great. Vote for me. That isn't, yeah, I'm not sure who's doing the messaging here. Well, uh, there's going to be a lot to follow over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to be following it very closely. But first, we must get to our blockbuster guest. Let's do it. So we are excited for our guest today, an entrepreneur and former Democratic presidential candidate. Uh, He has Georgia on his mind for the runoff elections. And after the presidential election, he announced he'd be canvassing all through the state of Georgia to really keep it blue. Please welcome to the Vote Her podcast, Andrew Yang. What's happening? Hello. It's fantastic to be here. Thank you for having me. 
thank you so much for joining us. I mean, this is like this. You're our like biggest guest we've ever had. So thank you. Yeah, we really oh, appreciate so it. Sweet. Well, thank you. So have you started canvassing? Well, you have started canvassing, haven't you? Oh, yeah. We knocked out a bunch of doors near Piedmont Park a number of days ago uh, and had a great event with both candidates last night that was virtual. Uh, And the big thing, which I meant to talk about here, is we have a Sunday kickoff of the Muskogee County Democrats at the Columbus Civic Center Courtyard at 1 p.m. So if you're hearing this before Sunday the 6th and you're anywhere near uh, that neck of the woods, come on out and see us. I'll be there. There'll be a lot of excited people there, very responsible, very socially distanced, very mask wearing, and we will all get out the vote together. That is very exciting. Have you ever been to Columbus, Georgia before? I don't believe I have. I think this is my first time. And what are your impressions of being in Georgia? You've been here now a couple of weeks. So give us your feedback on the vibes you've been getting going out and about. You turn on the TV set and it's not great. <laughs> like like that, just the... Uh, the Republican drumbeat of ads. I mean, I'm sure you've seen them and everyone listening to this has seen them. Uh, and, and it really does discourage one that the advertising is so irresponsible. It, it's all like, uh, you know, vote for David Perdue to save America. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. When I was interviewing John Ossoff last night, I almost asked him, I was like, so what is your secret plot to destroy America? Because apparently they need David Perdue to save it from you, uh, which is ridiculous given that John's like such like a wholesome, positive, idealistic gentleman. So that seeing those ads just uh, constantly covering the airwaves has been a bit frustrating, honestly. Uh, and when I talked to John and uh, the Reverend last night, they said very openly, they said, look, we're probably going to get outspent or almost certainly going to get outspent. So, you know, we need to do everything we can to give both of them the resources they need to get a different message out. No. Well, and I guess you've come in because we've been listening to to this dribble for a long time now. So I think I'm almost I don't even pay attention to it anymore. But but you're right. It's not really a vision for how you want to lead in the future. It, it's really kind of trying to paint this picture of fear to try to get people to almost vote against someone more than vote for them. So it's definitely something we need to remember. It's a message of demonization and fear, really. And that's very disheartening. Like, that, like that's not what the country needs. So you started the website, winbothseats.org. Everybody should check it out, winbothseats.org. When did you really decide you were going to put this together? Like, was it right after the election? Was Georgia on your mind? Or what clicked that got us lucky enough to get you here? Oh, well, that's so kind of you. I was sitting on a CNN set watching the election returns come in uh, during election week, since we all remember it was like a multi-day affair. And I was looking at the Senate returns, and I thought the Democrats were going to win the Senate. I thought there, there were going to be a couple more victories out there. But then it started to shake out the way it did. And I saw that it was going to be 48-50 with the two seats in Georgia. So I think this might have been that Thursday or so where it it hit me. I was like, oh, my gosh, the entire balance of power in the Senate and thus the government is going to reside on what happens in those two races. And so I said uh, to my wife, it was really that Saturday. I'll tell you guys a funny story. Maybe it's not that funny. I don't know. But uh I'm uh, friend, friends with Dave Chappelle from the campaign, and he was performing at Saturday Night Live that weekend. 
so uh, he said, hey, do you want to come? And I was like, of course. And I got to take my wife on like a decent date night for once. And she's been such a rock star through everything. And there have not been many date nights because uh, unless you count campaigning in Iowa as a date night, because uh, we did do that a few times. And, and so we're on the way to Rockefeller Center. And I described to Evelyn, I say, hey, uh, there are these two Senate races in Georgia and uh, the entire Biden administration, in my opinion, is going to swing on whether those two seats go blue or red. And then Evelyn said, wow, that seems like the most important thing going on in the country right now. And I said, yeah, definitely. And then she said, we should go help out. And when I heard that, I was like, well, heck, if you're on board, I'm 100 percent on board because I was kind of afraid to broach it with her, honestly, because she's put up with so much. And I wanted to come help as soon as I realized the importance. Uh, but then the fact that she was excited about it then made it an immediate decision. So then I, I you know, like uh, made an announcement that night. Yeah, no, we saw your tweet and, it, you know, and everybody got excited immediately. And I think it actually kind of drove home the point that it, that it is incredibly significant. These two, I mean, these two seats are going to kind of be they're going to kind of set up what the Biden-Harris administration is going to be able to do or not do. I mean, we've already seen what McConnell can do in terms of being an obstructionist in the past. They should nickname Mitch McConnell the goalie (laughs) 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 or or something like something where his entire thing is just stopping stuff. It's really dark if we have him in charge, essentially, of the Senate again for the next uh, two years or more. Because that, that's really what my move is about, is trying to let other folks in the country know, like, look, you're excited about what happened in November. You know, Trump's gone. Joe's coming in. Do you want to give Joe the ability to get anything done? And if the answer is yes, then you should take whatever money and energy and time you spent on the November election and then channel it into Georgia. And we have a sprint, too. I mean, like, you know, January 5th is only weeks away. So we just need to leave everything out during this time. Why do you think that you resonate so much with young people, both of our sons are teenagers, and when they found out we were doing this interview, (laughs) they got so excited. There's something with you and and young people. It's just you really, really click with them. Young people, one sense that I'm on their side, because I I really think we've left them an awful mess uh, and we owe them better. And the worst thing, I think, is when we somehow blame young people for some of these problems, which just strikes me as so ridiculous. It's like, what the, they just got here. Like, how are you blaming them for it? But I think also that young people still have like a higher sense of optimism and possibility. Uh, and I, I think some of the ideas I was championing actually speak more to that sense of possibility, where if we all, all and I'm very transparent about it. Well, when I first made it on the scene, people were like, Psh, like give everyone money, like that's impossible. Um, but then of course we just did it for, you know, 200 million Americans uh, in, in April. Everyone loved it. And economists were like, oh, we should probably do more of that. So I think young people, when they first heard about this, they thought, why not? Why don't we do this uh, to like a higher degree than maybe folks who've uh, been around the block longer? Yeah, you really I mean, it's 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 kind of exciting to to know that you're really the future for that, where like you're somebody I think who can get young people interested and excited about politics and policy. Well, well one thing I want to say, and I'm, I'm actually writing a book right now that touches on this. And I'm trying to figure it out myself. I'm trying to unpack it. Um, but I, I think what, what's gone wrong in many respects with politics and, and its interaction or interfacing with young people is that politics has like a certain language and a certain set of norms uh, and certain media outlets that cover it. Uh, and 
like there's like a seriousness to it and a continuous uh, like a uh, sense of grievance, frankly, <laughs> you know, where like, and, and of course some of the grievances are genuine. I mean, like there, there's some very, very dark stuff happening in, um, uh, in America and this stuff's very important. But it, if, if you're a young person, like some of this does not speak to you. And, and what's weird is that like I ran for president and just presented things the way I saw them. And when I gave my speech, to political audiences, they had no idea how to react, frankly, because there, there's like almost a language to these political events. And then when I just showed up and said, hey, like being a trucker is the most common job in 29 states. And I have friends who are working on uh, self-driving trucks. Like what's the plan? You know, Amazon's closing 30% of malls and that was pre-COVID. So now I'm sure the number's higher. Uh, like, what's the plan? Like, it was just like a completely different, different discussion and the the political landscape was like, well, what to make of this? And so my original audience was actually found on tech podcasts or like other things that were not really terribly politics minded. And so there were young people who were interested in tech and were like, oh, this guy's interesting. Uh, you know, it's like uh, like the the one of the problems we have is that politicians are in this lane, and then when they try and come out of this lane it's horrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when they, when they try to like speak to some other audience, it's like, oh, this person's terrible in large part because like they, they often seem kind of disconnected, like particularly if they've been in politics for a while, because then you're surrounded by these people and they always want to make sure that you look and sound a certain way and you get conditioned. I've, I've been around folks too. And when a politician goes off the reservation, something bad happens. So then they learn a lesson. We're like, oh, I should listen to my team who tells me just to say like the same, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Um, so, so this is all like kind of built up into like a, uh, a language that young people do not connect with. No, I think that I think the thing about you is that you're authentic. I think you come from a real, like a very real place, and people get that. And and you know you have some, you've got great experience and a great background, and and so you know it's something actually that folks can believe in. So, you know, I appreciate that. So for kind one. of you, thank you. And I, and obviously, I think people know that there's not a knock on anyone. You know, I mean, like I I. Uh, uh, so I'm reading this book right now that I'd recommend, especially to your listeners, because I think that they'd be into it. It's Why We're Polarized by Ezra Klein. Uh, have you seen anything about this book? I have heard about that book. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the, the book, and I'm not through it yet, but the book talks about how you can put good people into our political system uh, and nothing changes. And then we look up and are like, why the heck has nothing changed? Like, you know, <laughs> we just get like more and more fed up. It's because they're heading, they head into this domain where like a lot of their behaviors and speech are kind of circumscribed where like, you know, that there's like a, like a zone of acceptability and language and, and behaviors. And, and Ezra makes the argument that look right now, there are a lot of people that are doing what's in their self-interest. Like before I was complaining about in the rancid David Perdue ads, <laughs> you know, but the fact is they're effective. Like they definitely tested those ads. They work. Um, and, and so you have a bunch of people doing what's in their self-interest individually or institutionally, but then that ends up adding up to like a negative for us as a whole. You know, like if if these terrible ads come out and like scare people, then that's good for the Republicans. And then, you know, we, we try and get a different, more wholesome message out. Like right now, there's like this titanic clash going on. And the unfortunate truth is that we're not winning by enough to be able to counteract it 
meaningfully. Um, That's why what's going on in these two races is so vital because we have a chance to maybe change that. If we win these two races and we get a Senate majority, then maybe we can start to, to do enough big things that we can kind of bring us back from this precipice where people are giving up hope. Well, we have a lot of hope because you're here. Everybody should check out winbothseats.org and Humanity Forward, of course. You can follow on Twitter, follow Andrew Yang on Twitter. And this has just been such an honor to talk to you today. I mean, this is like, you know, this is like, I mean, you're the, you're the man, man. No, you, again, so <laughs> kind. So one of my favorite things to do is try to make parents seem um, like uh, like the stuff they're doing is cooler to their kids because my kids don't care at all about anything daddy does. <laughs> it's just like, what? <laughs> so anything I can do. But, uh, uh, but the other thing is that I would never have made it onto the national scene if not for podcasts uh, because there was a period when podcasters were the only people who would frankly have me on. Uh, and so like, uh, I always remember that. It's like, it's a very important thing. You know, you have real conversations with people. You know, one fun thing, I'm just going to throw this out here because I know how these podcast dynamics work, is that now that I've been on this podcast, maybe you can get some other, uh, you know, like uh, fo- folks that you regard of as like, ooh, like, you know, like some oh, really cool Andrew people. Yangon. Like that way you get other folks. That stuff actually works. I didn't want to say that, Andrew, but, you know, we're banking on you to get us book to book bigger <laughs> names. And so that's why that's what I'm all about. if you can if you can say to us right now, you're listening to the Vote Her podcast. I'm Andrew Yang, and this is my favorite Georgia politics podcast. You got it. OK, done and done. Hang on. I'm Andrew Yang, and you're listening to the Vote Her podcast, my favorite Georgia politics podcast. Awesome. Well, Jen, Andrew Yang said it. It's his favorite Georgia politics podcast. Uh, yeah. I mean, now that that's it. I, I mean, what more do we need to say? I'm not sure there is anything. Now. We want to make sure that if you are anywhere near Columbus, he's going to be getting together with a, the Muskogee County Democrats And they're going to be walking around canvassing and knocking on doors. I think that's just so amazing that he's doing that. Yeah. I mean, canvassing's tough. And as we know, he's he said he's never been to Columbus. Yeah. Columbus is great. It's a great town. I think it's a very underrated Georgia city. Um, So that's really, it's exciting that he's really walking the walk. And it did warm my heart a little bit to say that he does podcasts because, um, you know, that's how he got kind of known look I, I remember when he burst onto the scene and at first i thought who is this guy right and then he whatever he was saying on this these podcasts just kept getting picked up and it kept getting amplified and man he he really kind of took off at some point well we're excited that now we can call andrew yang is a friend of the show and we are part <laughs> I was of the Yang <laughs> Yang. I thought you looked at me like, let's not push it, Mara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and you wouldn't be wrong in that. Well, thanks so much to Andrew Yang. Listen, everybody should follow Humanity Forward on Twitter and follow Andrew Yang on Twitter. Go to winbothseats.org to get more information on everything that he's doing in, in Columbus this weekend. But you can also continue to see Andrew around Georgia. He is staying for the entire month and really doing the real work. I mean, it's impressive. 
Right. And, and let's be clear, just helping to campaign. I know there was this kerfuffle about how he was going to come down here and register to vote and all this stuff, which he, he never said. So let's just be clear. He's come down here to try to get out the vote for these two U.S. Senate races and also for the PSC runoff. And we could not, you know, be happier. Uh, everybody should follow Senator Jen at Senator Jen to get more of her salty responses to things that have been happening lately. I have been a little salty. I like that. Uh, I'm feeling a little bitter lately, but that's okay. <laughs> okay. You, know. you can follow me at Mara Davis. You can follow our, our Twitter account at podcast vote. Vote her podcast at gmail.com if you have any feedback for us. Thanks, Christina Laringer, for this uh, edit on our bonus Andrew Yang episode. And thanks, Terminus Records, for our music. And by the way, politicians, celebrities, we're ready for you. I'm, I'm booking you now. Are you ready, Jen? Oh, I'm ready. 